Ephesians chapter 2, and let's begin, let's open up with a word of prayer together. Uh, Lord, we, we don't stop worship and now we go into the Word. Father, we worship you by going into your Word now. So in this part, we worship you by hearing your Word, by sitting under your Word, by allowing your Word to penetrate our hearts and speak to us deeply, and indeed to even allow you by your Spirit to change us as we as we sit in the, the beauty and the power of your living word. Transform us this morning. Speak to us as a church this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let's begin in verse 1. We're going to focus mostly on verses 11 through 22, but let's read these first. This is one of the most powerful sections in Scripture, I think. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Also, all of us also, in context, he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order, this is why he did this, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Why does he do it? So he can show his incomparable kindness to us. We don't know the Father if all we think is He's this mean and angry. No, He's, he's so full of, what does Paul say? Rich in mercy, rich in, kind, in love, and incomparable kindness. Verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the gospel. This is the gospel we stand on. We were once dead in sins. We were once helpless, dead in our sin, carried along by our sinful cravings, carried along the way of the world and the devil, like we were dead fish floating in the currents of the world and the devil, helpless. And that's where we were. And we deserve God's wrath. We don't like to hear that, but we do. Our sinful, rebellion nature deserves God's wrath. But, it says, because of His great love for us. Let, let's let, let feel that. It, because of His great love for us. I remember when our daughter Jennifer was maybe a year old. I was praying in the living room one day and I suddenly felt, I felt how much I love my daughter 
And then I thought, that's how much the Father loves me. And I was just undone. I just became, I just wept. Feel the love. <clears throat> the riches of His mercy. And because He wanted to display the kindness of His, or the riches of His kindness, He made us alive in Christ. He snatched us up, made us alive. We are saved by grace through faith. So don't ever forget God's amazing grace. Don't ever be, try not to fail to be amazed at God's grace. Paul says, remember where you are. He's reminding them, you were here. Now you're here. He's reminding them, you were dead and God made you alive. Now Paul continues to remind them of what their lives were like before Christ. And that's a good thing for us to remember too. Where were we before Christ? Where would we be without Christ? I shudder to think. I don't know how people face life. And I really don't know how people face death without Christ. I mean, uh, I'm not totally looking forward to that moment even with Christ, you know. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to being with the Lord. But, uh, but without Christ, what a bleak and hopeless thing that would be. In, in my view. So Paul now says to them in verse 11, he's going to say to them, remember, remember. But what he spoke of in terms of spiritual death in the first 10 verses, he's now going to describe in terms of relational separation and disconnection. So read it with me, verse 11 through 12. Therefore, Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision by those who call themselves the circumcision, Gentiles, Jews, which is done in the body by human hands. Verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope. And without God in the world. That is, I think, one of the most haunting single lines in the Bible. Without hope and without God in the world. Remember, you were once on the outside looking in at everything. You were outside of everything. You were cut off. You were disconnected from all that is good in God. You were on the outside of that. Once you were separated from Christ. You were excluded from the family and people of God. And you were cut off and disconnected from the promises of God. You were without hope and without God in the world. But God hasn't given us a hope in the world. Listen to verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, our hope isn't in the world. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. We were without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus. You who once were far away, Gentiles had no claim on God, no claim on the covenant, no claim on the word of God, no claim on the Savior. You were once far away. You have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And I'm so grateful, and aren't you, that that is the case. So we rejoice and praise God for the hope we have in Christ. I want you to remind yourself every morning when you get up, 
I, my hope is in Christ. My hope is in Jesus. My hope is in the Lord. I am saved by grace through faith. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Remind your soul of that. Not death, not the devil. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Let that sink in. But as that sinks in, I want to kind of do a mind uh, leverage here, a little jujitsu with your mind, because this is just the way it is. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but we in this country, we think of everything in individualistic terms, don't we? We really do. We live in individualistic terms. And this was not written in an individualistic community, nor was it written to individuals. So where we tend to read this, and I do the same thing, we read it and we think, thank God I am saved. I am going to heaven. I belong to the Lord. And, and amen, that's absolutely true. Jesus came to get me to heaven. He came to save me and, and, and give me eternal life and, and reconcile me to God and, and me and I and me and I. And, that's, and we think that's... But, but this is not saying that it includes that. But we miss the central point and purpose of Jesus' mission. Because Jesus didn't just come to get you to heaven. He came to restore relationships the sin had destroyed. He came to reconcile people to God and to one another. So let's read on in verse 14. For he himself is our peace. Listen to the, pay attention to the plurality of the words here. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups, Jews and Gentiles, one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations on the cross he died and all the laws and the regulations uh, which he kept perfectly were put to death in him he set it aside his purpose his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace you hear? His purpose was to create out of two, Jews and Gentiles, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. <clears throat> and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. When sin entered the world, it separated us from God. That's, and that's actually what death is. Death is separation. You know, we think of death as, oh, your heart stops, you stop breathing. No, it's separation. Physical death is your spirit and your soul separate from your body. Spiritual death is being separated from God. And it's far, far worse than physical death. So when sin entered the world, it separated us from God. It created a chasm between us and God. It created a wall between us and God, a dividing wall of hostility between us and God. And when that happened, it created that separation from God. That wall between God and us created a world of walls. 
We live in a world of walls. Everywhere we look, we see walls. We see walls today. We see walls throughout history. We see walls between Israel and Palestine or Hamas. We see walls between Iran and the United States. We see walls between Ukraine and Russia, China and Taiwan. Walls between whites and blacks, between conservatives and progressives. And I have a feeling it's going to be a crazy year. We see walls within families. We see walls between husbands and wives, between children and parents, between brothers and sisters. We see walls. Sometimes they're walls of hostility. I can't believe what they did. I'm never going to talk to them again. I'll never forgive them for that. Or I hate them. People hate. It's amazing that people hate for the craziest of reasons. But sometimes the walls are not walls of hostility. They're walls of isolation. They're walls of of loneliness and disconnectedness. Janice and I went out to dinner the other night. And um, we sat down in the booth right across from us was uh, husband and wife. And the guy was on the phone when we got there. And he stayed on the phone the 10 or 15 minutes or more that they finished their meal. And she just sat there while he was on the phone. And this wasn't like emergency, barking out orders, you know, to save lives. We have to, he was just chatting. He was just chatting. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, and just chatting. I mean, we didn't hear the words, but you could tell by the posture and his tone of voice. He just said, yeah, 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 laughing and talking. He's having the conversation with the phone that he should have been having with his wife. And she sat there just uncomfortable. I mean, it's uncomfortable to sit in a restaurant while somebody is talking on the phone and you're just sitting there. And, and she, she just looked uncomfortable. So finally, after about 15 minutes, they got up and left. And in comes a couple right behind them. And the minute they sit down, they pull out their phones. They pull out their phones. And they sat there. And as far as I, in the half hour we sat there, I didn't see them say one word to each other. She did speak. You know who she talked to? She talked to Janice and I. We had asked the waitress a question about, I don't know, the take-home meal or something. Like, how big is it? That was my question, you know. (laughs) How big is that thing if I pay six bucks? Uh, And she leans over and answers very kindly and everything. But that's the only time I heard her talk. Now listen, I, I don't know what's going on in their lives, but that is far too frequent. And I get the sense, I got the sense that these are two lonely couples. Together but separate. Together, but disconnected. In the same booth, but a wall of disconnectedness between them. See, being with people doesn't solve loneliness. Connection solves loneliness. We all long to be connected. It's what we long to be. We long to belong. We long to be loved. We long to love others. We long for community. Because God created us that way. We live in a world now where, honestly, our flesh often, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to be around people. I just want to watch TV. I just want to 
you know, be on the screen. I just want to all that. So in the moment, and I get that, I feel that sometimes too. I don't even want to talk. I just want to watch, chill out. But, and it's okay sometimes, but if that's our pattern, there's two things happening at once. I really crave that. I really crave that newest episode of this or that, that video game or that whatever. But there's something else going on on a deeper level. I am lonely. I am lonely. Nobody ever, ever on their deathbed said, family, please leave the room. My favorite show is coming on. They just don't do that. I wish I had watched more TV or I'd spent more time in the office. We long for family, for connectedness deep within our hearts because God created us for community. He created us for relationship. That's what Jesus came to give, not religion, relationship. That's what he came to build. Sin created the wall between us and God and only the cross of Jesus Christ can tear that wall down. Only the cross of Jesus Christ can bridge the chasm between us, sinful, and God, holy. Only the cross, only the blood of Christ can wash us clean from our sin and put us in right standing with God. Why do I have confidence that when I stand before God, I will be in right standing with Him? Because I have confidence in the blood of Christ. Because I have confidence in the death of Christ on the cross. When he said, it is finished, that is the only thing that could tear down. And there is no wall of hostility between you and the Father anymore through Christ, but only a, a loving bridge of relationship, of reconciliation, of, of I love you and I want you in my presence, of come on in, boldly access my throne because I want to meet you, love you, care for you, fellowship with you. That is what the cross has done. That is what Jesus came to do and the wall that separates from God through Christ is gone and the wall that separates us from each other because you're this and I'm that or I believe this and you believe that or I'm of this political persuasion or that persuasion or I'm from this nation and you're from that nation or whatever that wall has been torn down between each other so listen again to the verses we just read and I'm just going to fly over them he jesus is our peace our peace he made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity in one body to reconcile both of them to god he preached peace to those who were near and to those who were far and through him we both have access to the father now paul's using Jew and Gentile to represent all the world and all the walls and all the hostility. And Jesus has put that away through faith in Christ. And through faith in Christ, we both. What's the both? Any believer from whatever background you have, whatever color your skin, whatever nation you're from, whatever your political eye, we both have access to the Father. And that's what the church is. The people of God connected to Jesus and to one another. And that's the connection we all long for. That's what our hearts long for. Not just to one another, but to God. Not just to God, but to one another. Introverts, extroverts, somewhere in between, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We all long for connection. Some, some might long for less connection on a given day than others, and that's okay. 
but we all long for meaningful connection. We all long to belong. We want to be loved and love others. We were created for relationship. Verse 18, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Isn't that good? You're no longer on the outside looking in. You're no longer out there. You're not a stranger. You're not a foreigner. You belong. You're a citizen. Fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We're a family built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are being built together. We are fellow citizens. We are members of his family. We are living stones that God is using mortar to put us together. And that's the gospel. It's better than just a ticket to heaven. It's a reconnection to God, our creator, and to one another as God's people. So that's what we are, church. That's what we are. But it doesn't always feel that way, does it? It doesn't always feel that way. We have work to do. We have work to do. And when I say we, I'm talking about the church in general, universal. We have work to do, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And it's what Jesus commands of us. And it's what he commands us to challenge each other with. Remember Hebrews 20, uh, 10, 24. We are to challenge one another to love and good works. And that's a good challenge. So I want to close with just three short thoughts. How, how do we begin to move in this way? I, I, this is like not going to be the full picture, but it's where we're going as a church, I pray, by the grace of God. Because we're going somewhere, and God's got taking us somewhere. And I believe in this year, He's taking us somewhere. But here are three things to remember. Paul says to them, remember, remember. Remember, let's remember this. Remember that our fellowship is built on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what holds us together? It's Christ. It's not our personality. It's not our education. It's not our background. It certainly isn't our color. It's Christ. It's Christ. We may have differences, but in Christ, what we have in common is far, far bigger than any differences we have. What binds us together is Christ. And so we want Christ to be at the center of all we do. We want the gospel to permeate everything. Even if we're having a barbecue and we're playing ultimate Frisbee, um, you know, we don't have to like have our hands raised in prayer all the whole time. But our hearts and spirits should always be, even when we're eating a burger or playing ultimate Frisbee or whatever, watching a game together, whatever it is, Christ should be in the center of that. And I don't mean that like super spiritual, but just that the grace of the Lord, the gospel of Christ, the love of Christ, the, the scriptural truth is at the center of what we do because it is, it is what connects us, is Christ. So the church isn't a formality. It's not a meeting we go to. It's a family built in Christ, connected to each other. And then building each other up in small moments to help us live out this walk. Because it's tough enough. Amen? It's tough enough. Anybody else having struggles at times? Walking this thing out? 
Anybody else struggle with, you know, falling, failing, sinning, messing up, loving too little, loving ourselves too much? I hope I'm not the only one here. If I am, let's switch places. I'll sit out there. You preach to me. Let's challenge ourselves in 2024 to make it our church's goal to connect in Christ more deeply. And, and let's each take ownership for it. Okay, don't say, well, I wonder when they're going to do it. You know who they is? They is you. They is me. Second thing, remember relationships take investment. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Some of you probably like this. I'm not a big phone person. I'm not, a big, I'm not even a big FaceTime person. I don't, I don't love being on the phone or FaceTime. If it was up to me, all three of our kids are now out of the home and our grandkids. If it was up to me, I think one or twice a month would be enough to FaceTime or call them. And, but Janice is so faithful. Like after a week, she's like, oh, I miss the grandkids. I miss Jan Jennifer. I miss Jared. I miss Matthew. Let's call them. Let's FaceTime them. And so, uh, and I miss them too, but she wants that connection. And it's always worth it when we get on there, but it's almost always her initiation. Now I'll face, or I'll, uh, you know, the kids and I will text each other quickly. And, and I'm good with that, you know, at least more often than she is. But I'm so grateful that she's like, oh, let's call Jerry. Let's see how he's doing. Let's call Jen. Let's call Matthew. But here's the thing. Relationships take investment. They take investment. If we don't invest in a relationship, it will drift or die on the vine. It really will. You will drift apart. Now, I want to commend you. Here, Grace, people do invest, and I thank God for that. I love the fact that people hang out after church 30 minutes, an hour. Sometimes it's an hour and a half that we're locking the doors. And I, I thank God for that. I think that's, that's investing. You're investing in relationship there. Uh, a community group offers a, a, good, a good opportunity to invest in relationship. Getting to know each other, building relationally. Our men's breakfast... We've been meeting for two and a half years, almost every single Saturday morning. And we were just talking the other day when we get together, like we, you know, and there's more to go and there's deeper to go, but we're very comfortable with each other and we can share our updates and how we doing, how's this person, how are we doing with that? Let's pray. We read the Bible together. And that's an investment that has come to be very dear to me. Investing in relationship. The point is it takes time to get to know each other. It takes time to, to get to build relationally. It takes time for love and affection to grow. Our aim as a church, and we, we pray to do this better and, and seek to do this, uh, give as many opportunities as possible, is to give opportunities to invest. And not everybody's going to invest in all the same places and all the same times but the opportunity to invest. But, remember, they is you. So whether they're doing this is going to depend on whether you're doing it. Amen? Amen? Like, if we're hearing this message for the person sitting next to us, we're missing the point here. 
we have to be, we have to decide in our hearts, this has value in my life. This has value in my life. And then take that opportunity. I want to just say, you know, and I'm, I'm going to get, uh, honestly, I'm not even sure how I'm going to bring this thing in for a landing because I rewrote the ending this morning. So it, this could be a crash landing actually this morning. But I want to just say this. Listen, if your only connection with the church is, is once a month or once a you know, quarter or once a, you know, a week or whatever it is, I'm thankful for whatever it is. I'm thankful for whatever it is. If you're watching online, I'm thankful for that. I am thankful for that. But I do want us to ask a question of ourselves. What relationship do you have is deep and meaningful and, and, and close and you talk for 10 or 15 minutes a week? Like if you were to have that relationship with your spouse or your, your kids, you know, some of you might say, I'll take that for a couple weeks with my kids. But how close would that relationship be? It takes time to invest. It takes time to invest. Let's get a vision in 2024 for investing more, for taking another step in investing and challenging ourselves to invest in our church family. We are a church family, if this is your church. My third point is this, remember, love is a two-way street. Love is a two-way street. Sometimes the greatest thing God's gonna do in your life is use you to help someone else. Sometimes the greatest miracle God's going to, the greatest joy you'll find, the greatest lift to your spirit and, your, and the strengthening of your faith won't be because you sat and heard a sermon that hit you where you wanted to be hit and ministered to you and, and you left feeling great about what you got. Sometimes hopefully that happens. But sometimes the greatest miracle that's going to hit you, the greatest thing that's going to hit your life, that's going to put a lift in your step, that's going to bring a joy to your heart, isn't going to be what you got. It's going to be what you gave in the name of Jesus. It's going to be that person you ministered Christ to. Because people walk through that door hurting and lonely and sometimes lost, not knowing the Lord Jesus. And I thank you, a friend of mine has come here who doesn't know the Lord, we're, we're, we're praying in that direction. And every time he's come, he's talked about how so many people have reached out to him and befriended him. And I thank you for that. Now you may have, that may have meant nothing to you, and you got, went home, but you were used by God. And isn't that worth so much? Isn't that worth so much? Now Hebrews 10.24 says, we are to provoke one another to love and good works. And it's no accident that the very next verse says, let us not give up meeting together as the habit of some is. You know why? Because, because we have to be there to be there. You know, it, that, to, to express love to someone, if someone comes in dragging and hurting, and I'm not talking legalistically, but I, you know, like... You, never miss a meeting or but when that person walks in and they're hurting I have seen God use people to make such a difference in their lives to be there to love them to pray with them to maybe counsel with them share with them encourage them or maybe just befriend them maybe go out to lunch with them 
You might be the person whose love changes a life or many lives. You might be that person. But we need to be together to make that happen. God accomplishes so much when His people meet together. And one of those things is we get to spur. Listen, I want you to spur me on, okay? I want you to challenge me. I want, I want to be challenged. I don't want to, you know, just mail it in. I want, to, I want to, not that I'm looking to check out soon, but I want to leave, you know, on a high note. I want to leave serving God. I want to glorify God. I want to make a difference. And, and you make such a difference in me and in the person next to you. So let's do what the Hebrew says. Let's take this challenge seriously. To challenge one another, not challenge each other. Hey, which version do you use of the Bible? What do you, do you think Jesus coming pre-trib, post-trib? Or... Yeah, forget that challenge. Challenge one another to love and good works. According to Ephesians 2, we all have a part. We all have a part in the building of His church. You have a part. When I look ahead this year, I want to see us as a church grow together and with spiritual momentum to make a difference in this community. Amen? We're a small church. You know, it'd be easy to say, yeah, amen, we're going to make a huge difference. If there was like a thousand of us out here, we had a multi-million dollar budget, a, a TV show that goes on around the world and a Learjet in the backyard. It'd be easy to say, yeah, we're making a difference. We're going to make a difference. I, I believe God doesn't need all that to make a difference. God wants to use us, but I do believe it's as we get a vision for that together and each of us do that part you one of your parts is to challenge me in that one of my parts is to challenge you in that let's go for it this year amen it's a challenge but i believe by god's grace we can do it let's pray father we thank you for the challenge we thank you for the gospel we thank you lord for the church god's people and yes lord even with the challenges we all face we pray that you will use them to deepen our faith and deepen our, our walk with you and help us to know you better through each other and then help us to serve you better through each other. Lord, I pray that this will be a year, Lord. You know my prayer is that you would build a spiritual momentum of grace in this church family. And I pray that you will do that, Lord God. And I pray that you will turn back, Lord, some of the ways that, that Lord, uh, I think the enemies have been advancing and the church has been retreating. I pray you turn that back around this country and around the world and here in Painted Post as well and in this church. Thank you so much, Father. I love this church and I look forward to what you're going to do in the coming weeks, months, and years. And we, we commit it all to you, and we trust you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.